Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In today's show, I am chatting with John Bottom, who is the owner and founder of a company called Agile Content. And John is an agency veteran, having been in and around the agency space for well over 20 years, probably a bit longer, but he won't thank me for saying so. And John joins me to chat through what does the agency of the future look like, specifically How do we organize ourselves and our teams to be agile, flexible, and yet have the right proposition for our clients to want to hire us to do work for their business? John looks at the model of freelancing to network agencies to that traditional or more traditional bricks and mortar full service agency. If you're thinking about how to structure your operations over the next 12, 24, 36 months or longer, then John's ideas should be of value to you. I hope you enjoy the show. John, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Andy. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. Thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm pleased to have you on the show. I've known you for, I, I don't know how many years, but quite a few few years now. And I've always known you as somebody, as an expert in B2B marketing. I think you've been around the agency scene for for quite a long time. I won't say how long because it will give away your age. <laughs> I've, I've, I've always been a B2B specialist, worked in a few different agencies, most most notably and for the longest time. I, I was part of the team behind Base One. Um, that's right. I, was, I think that's where I first came across you, John, at, at Base One. I can't can't quite think what the context was. But I know after Base One, you went off to set up your own uh, shop called Agile Content, didn't you? And mm-hmm. you're still doing that now. And um, so... What we want to look at today is what does the what does the agency of the future look like? Because I think we both agreed that the agency landscape has been changing and has changed a lot since we both first got into marketing many moons ago. And I think it'd be interesting to explore what does that look like in the future and how I guess how has that been affected or has that change accelerated as a result of COVID and the pandemic and all that sort of fun stuff we've managed to get through over the last couple of years? Yeah, they, I, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, you know, so many things that these days we probably missed the wave um, have talked about the effect of the pandemic. And there, there was one big obvious effect, which has affected how we um, sort of do our work, is that obviously sort of hybrid and remote working has become a fact of life. Um, I've done a number of campaigns for sort of comms clients, telecoms people and and all, all kinds of sort of Zoom, these these kind of companies, um, talking about the work from home wave, and it's it's obviously here to stay. I remember one of the infographics I was working on earlier early this year. They were saying, "I give you some stats, Andy. Here we go. Don't don't say I don't do my research." Eighty three percent of employees prefer a hybrid model. These stats are all Accenture. Um, companies apparently save eleven U.S. companies eleven thousand dollars per employee per year. With a hybrid model, and um, and there was a recruitment firm as well who claimed that eighty percent of people say that it's a leading factor. You know, can I work from home? Do you have this flexibility? Otherwise, I'm not going to consider working with you. So obviously, the work from home thing is 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 here to stay. But what I thought was more interesting is how that has worked with agencies, because agencies have have done this for for some time. If you are an agency, a fundamental problem is that you have certain skills on board. You are a collection of skills. Mm -hmm. And that collection of skills is 
slightly inflexible. You have to completely utilize what you have. So if you have two copywriters, you need to work out that you have just the right amount of work for two copywriters. If you have SEO specialists, you better get in some SEO work or they're going to be sitting on their hands while other people are busy. So there's a real challenge there for agencies. And they've always got around it because they can always rely on trusted freelancers to do that little bit extra to help them deal with the peaks and troughs. But um, now that everybody is um, working from home, and this is something that's absolutely transparent, nobody thinks twice about having a meeting with a CEO and you've got your dog in the room behind you and all the rest of it. Nobody thinks twice about it. So, um, so that's absolutely fine. And so what I got to wondering was, is it fine or is it not? Do old attitudes prevail um, when agencies talk about using freelancers? Because it may as well, if somebody is paid on a PAYE model as an employee, and so they're a trusted, permanent, full-time part of an agency, or if they're a contractor and they can pick them up and drop them as they want, or they can set up some kind of contract, that really shouldn't matter, or should it? That's That That was what I thought was an interesting point, really. Yeah, and I think I, I can relate very heavily to this because, you know, going back 10 plus years, I set up an agency called Klaxon that was based on that hybrid remote working approach where not everybody was a full-time member of staff. And you'll know this because you were one of the copywriters that I was trying to bring into projects on various occasions to try and your expertise to bear on my clients' challenges. And so I really believe in that hybrid model. And I think from an agency perspective, it gives you real flexibility on your service offering so that I can, I don't have to sell the same thing all the time. Uh, When we created our positioning, there's a chap who worked for us called Ian Halpin. He came up with this expression. I don't think it's his to be fair, but he used it very well. And it was something along the lines of to a, a man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. So in other words, we've only got one solution to your challenge. That's all I'm going to sell. But as a as a hybrid, flexible approach, it wasn't like that. It was like, well, what is your challenge? Well, here are the three or four things we think you need to tackle. And we'll create a hybrid team of experts around how to overcome that challenge. So I'm totally bought into this approach, or at least I was back in the day when I was running my agency. But I, I, I had this conversation with a few client side marketeers, particularly those working for big brands. And they really weren't that excited about it. You know, they didn't see the advantage of me having a flexible team. To them, they saw lots of different individuals that they needed to then manage uh, rather than having a single solid bricks and mortar style agency that had all of those services under one roof. So from a client's perspective, they weren't so excited about this hybrid uh, approach to running an agency. No, I, I think that's right. I think the, the the complete the network model, shall we call it. So when you say we have no premises, we are an utterly networked organisation, and we're actually a loose cooperative. Um, that's a really really tough sell. In fact, uh, I mean, Claxon that you formed and Agile Content that I formed. Um, I always intended, hence the name Agile Content. It's a sort of it's a loose collection of the skills that you need to put together a content content campaign Um, but it's only really relevant with very cost conscious Mm. clients Um, there's no way that um, I and the various independents that I pulled together to make a really appropriate team and lots of them with plenty of experience and you know real proper agency caliber people but they're they're brought together loosely in order to perform a function that works if you're cost conscious if you have a budget and you know that the budget you can afford an agency 
and you think there's no way I'm going to make my job much much harder by having to kind of corral lots of different people. So no, they they want one one throat to choke. <laughs> yeah. Um, and equally, equally from, from my point of view, um, a lot of my work um, is as an overflow um, for um, agencies. And so I see a lot of how agencies run. And that's sort of, that's what prompted me uh, to, 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 to bring up this topic, because I find that some of them deal with this, um, this idea of having networked, um, expertise and overflow it's, and it's not an overflow that suggests that it's just quantity that forces them to bring mm. in people who are not payroll but it's not it's it's the need for um specialist skills in in, in my experience the agencies i've worked with i'd say they fall into four categories and again i've been i've been asking around recently i've, I've, I've given them names you've got you've got first of <laughs> Go all you've it. got the deniers the deniers okay. um and these will be, and if anyone's listening who recognizes themselves, I'm sure you will appreciate these four categories exist. Um, the, the deniers will say to clients, uh, we have everybody in house. This is what we have. And credibly, if you are a huge, um, I say network, if you are a very, very large agency, then you can say, yes, within our group, we do have everything we need. We don't have to go outside here. Even to cope with the peaks and troughs, you have that. The, the classic full service agency model. Yes, the full service agency model, but also in denial about the fact that um, if they have people who are working from home, because of course they are, because they um, because they've stopped their lease on their big central London office <laughs> to, to save a few thousand quid, and so those people have to work from home now. So they may as well be working at home on a on a contract basis as be PAYE. But nonetheless, this category would say nope. Everybody is a full time person. Then you've got your cover-uppers. It's the best I could do at short notice, Andy. And, and the cover-uppers are the ones who insist on anybody external getting an email, for example, um, so that when you're liaising with their clients on their behalf, you have to look as if they are, uh -huh. um, as if you are part of them. And so you this, is, this is the white label approach. Well, it, yeah, it's the completely white. It's the white opaque label. You can't see people's <laughs> so Whiter you, than white. Yeah. yeah. And, and there, you know, even though you're you're not, um, you would you would come across that. So they're they're also deniers, but in a in a, a sort of camouflage your involvement. Then you've got the compromisers, and I'd say this is the most honest way to to, to go about it. And the compromisers, and I'd say most of the organisations, most of the agencies I work with, and talking to clients, most of the clients that I talk to, of these four, they would say, yeah, that's the one I want. They don't want the wall put over their eyes mm -hmm. because you know, they know what the score is. And the compromisers would say, yes, you know, we have our people and we employ people of a certain type to work within our agency because this is the kind of people we are. This is our style, our personality, our way of working. But we pull people in and that makes us stronger. And that gives you, Mr. Klein, a much better service. And, you know, we don't try to paint them as our own people. They clearly are our, our kind of people because mm -hmm. you will see by their work. We trust them. They work with us. The job's a good one. And so that's, okay. that's good. And they are stronger for the fact that they have a specialist network that surrounds their, their offering. The level beyond that, again, I don't think is it's certainly not practical at the level that you and I have, Andy, of being a smaller operation. And I've seen networks, shall we call them, try to say, we have 
60 expert individuals around the globe. We can we can work with you around the clock. We can cover every single skill you want. But what they don't have are the common processes. What they don't have are the managers, the coordinators. They that's really not a viable option. They end up being um, effectively it's a job board. You can go out there. Um, what's the name of the super cheap and cheerful website? There's a isn't it? Fiverr or Upwork or there's a load of them. Isn't it? That's yeah. the one Fiverr. So if, if if you want to if you want a logo for fifty dollars, you can you can do it. And equally, if you want to say, right, I need a copywriter, an art director with a bit of experience in telecoms, yeah, you can get a couple, but you're going to be pulling teeth trying to manage them. And so that mm. network model, that complete loose congregation of people, that's that's really a job board, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, I think looking back to my time, I've worked in those large agencies that not are the deniers, but are more of that kind of second stage, the the white label. What was the term you used, John? Tell me again. The um, second one. Cover uppers. I meant to be a copywriter. That's the best I could do. I'm sorry. The cover uppers. <laughs> Absolutely. Where we've used external resource to deliver on a piece of creative, whether it's design or or less likely to be copywriting, might to be design. And then the compromises definitely is where I sat in my agency career in terms of being very overt about the fact that I'm bringing in resource that is external to my agency, but they're the very best you can get. But trying to move away from competing on price because you don't want to be selling on price ever as an agency if you can avoid it because you want clients that have a budget that is suitable for the for the work that they're looking for. And that generally means not competing on price. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very happy on that term. That compromises uh, approach. Yeah, the, um, the point yeah, the point you raised there, Andy, about about competing on price. Um, the way that agencies don't compete on price, and let's let's just look at what an agency is. What 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 assets actually does an agency have? So, what value is there in an agency? Um, the value is mainly. Um, the main reason you might get acquired is if you have a few huge accounts and that will <laughs> you can you can get acquired because you have those people and those people have a stranglehold on certain accounts that will give your agency value. That's one reason mm. why someone's going to come and snap you up and buy your shares and all the rest of it. So happy days if you got that. But clients can go and people can go. There's nothing to stop those people moving or setting up on their own. Mm. Absolutely. And you haven't got, um, you know, manufacturing businesses and all kinds of other real estate business. You might have solid assets. They'll fluctuate in value, but they're still assets. The only assets that you really have as an agency um, are your reputation and your way of doing things. So do people come to, let's say, publicists, um, for argument's sake, because they've always had a good experience with them. They know the name. They know that it's it's a big organization and they have tried and tested methodologies. They have ways of doing things which are proven. And for that reason, you will never get a bad job done by these people. I, I don't know. I have no direct experience of them. Um, <laughs> but they, they have a brand and they have their methodology and they have their IP. Now, when you are remote as as I am, you don't necessarily have that. But my point is that if you're traditional IP, if you say traditionally, we offer you a bricks and mortar agency, we are old school, um, and everybody here wears the hat of the agency and they're all on the payroll, you might be reassured by that. But I'm thinking increasingly that you might say, well, aren't you guys a little bit behind the curve? Because 
agencies like that will pitch against agencies who will say as part of their pitch they will say we used to be a bricks and mortar agency we used to think that but you know what now because of the flexibility that's created from the working from home because of this blurring of the lines we can be much more effective for you mr client if we build our models around this flexibility and so our ip is a, is a is an innovative ip our way of working is predicated on that and i think if you have a pitch situation one is saying we're old school and the next one is saying we are getting you the very best service by using this progressive model i think many mm. get for the latter yeah I, I think you've got a point there and uh, I, I guess in my mind i'm thinking around kind of segments of clients and the type of buyers who are looking to buy agency services you know some will almost certainly be happy with that flexibility and many won't and i've been on the client side running agency procurement over the last couple of years and on several occasions i've had clients say we don't want to use that agency because the designer is external or the photographer is external i want i want an agency that's got it all under one roof so there's more resilience more control so i I, to some extent i really agree with you and i think clients that want that flexibility are are really happy with that approach but on many occasions i think there'll be clients that are perhaps more traditional and the examples i referenced there actually were both public sector buyers buying agency services so they had a much more i suppose conservative is probably the wrong word but you know what i mean approach to buy yes thank you formal traditional is much better than conservative because that could get confused in the in a political context and and they really weren't up for that flexible approach so i think it's around you know this as a proposition from an agency definitely can work but you need to be aware of the fact that there are some client side marketeers that really won't see the appeal to this and that kind of leads us on to that and you mentioned the brand there publicis as a as a you know very well known respected agency holding group they will have brands in their agency stable that will definitely appeal to certain types of customers and and i think there's real value in that brand but if if we're suggesting that hybrid flexible approaches to running an agency perhaps they don't need that brand perhaps we can as a collective of people work a bit more flexibly without the need to build up an agency brand. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it, it, it all depends what the what the agency brand means. Mm. Um, I mean, sometimes this is something that, that's steeped in history. Um, publicists have been around for uh, forever. Um, but often, I mean, agencies are frequently formed in the image of their founders. And somebody, somebody comes along and they say, you know, I think it's all about this. They tend to be the the sales front of the agency and they recruit a few smart people to actually do the work and and that's how most agencies start mm. and so those processes put in place at the start we believe in x y and z they hire people who also believe in x y and z and they implement x y and z and that all that all works very nicely mm. um but if that belief is still there and if that is what they stand for then surely that can be delivered in a way that is now more cost effective. I know I know one agency, for example, in the they're they're in the US. Um, they're called Innovation Protocol. They're very good. And they're they're based in LA and they 
have found it very hard to recruit different people. Mm. LA is quite scattered anyway. So it's one of these places where there's not a sort of convenient, cute downtown. There's no, you know, it's it's not as centralized as we would have here anyway. So I think this was perhaps easy for them. But they found themselves recruiting people in different parts of the country. And so they have full-time employees that they very rarely see because they work in Kansas or or somewhere else. But they've brought them under the same umbrella and they are 100% virtual. They do have physical meetings when um, every so often they will say, everybody come along here and we're going to do this. We're going to do a kind of symposium workshop together, a little bit of a meet and greet. But that's um, that's the exception rather than mm. the rule. And so they have gone 100% virtual. They have a very clear personality and their clients stick with them because they persist with that and they maintain that. Mm. So they would only take on contractors or virtual people or they would only supplement their team with people who fit that and so they would be completely transparent for example there's some big parallels there between what you're talking about with the agency in la and um, an agency over here called copy house um, i spoke to Catherine stracken on the show not so long ago and her whole team is is virtual although they are all employed by the business that is interesting in terms of they're not on freelance contracts. They are permanently employed, but distributed across not just the UK, but internationally as well. So there's definitely a move to that being acceptable. And I, and I saw I saw a company offering a service recently that was to help you to be compliant with employment law wherever your team is based anywhere in the world. So if there's a if there's a company providing that as a service, there's clearly demand for that, isn't there? And Catherine's used that as a way to access talent beyond where she would traditionally be able to find them. And her agency is based. Uh, I'm going to get the wrong one. I think it's Edinburgh, not Glasgow. It could be the other way around. Yeah. Um, so for her, that was a way to access the very best talent. And that's part of their uh, selling proposition to customers is that we've got the best talent they might not be in your local uh, office but they are really great at what they do yeah so 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 we are we saying then that the agency of the future or the agency of the past perhaps is that bricks and mortar everyone in one place all permanently employed all giving that full service agency proposition and the agency of the future then is this more hybrid not just hybrid in terms of where they're based but hybrid in terms of their contract of employment so it might be that they are on a permanent contract or it might be that they're on a freelance contract or it might be that they're on a job by job contract yeah i i i, I just think a bit, a bit more honesty really um i don't mm. there's any any need for the for the camouflage that would have been a better term than cover offers <laughs> camouflage uh, let's call it camouflage john let's go back <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i didn't there's any any need for that sort of disingenuous kind of approach to it where you pretend people are on your books but the, the 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 one throat to choke, which is um, I've repeated it now, it's a it's a horrible expression. But the, the idea of having one trusted person who is managing resources for you, I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, because again, we're dealing with business buyers. If you're dealing with an individual, it's a different kettle of fish. That whole B two C versus B two B. But somebody knows that they um, are expected to hire external help. Mm-hmm. They will get that external help in the form of an agency because they know they can deliver a brief to one person. They can be in touch with one person, and that one person will coordinate resources to make their life happy and get their job done and make them look good to their boss. So that I don't think is ever going to go away. 
but they should be honest about the service they can provide through a myriad of different ways now uh, because of of what we have and a bit of honesty there i think would be um would be to their benefit yeah i think so honesty is always a good thing isn't it in integrity and how we're going to deliver a service to a client and i think from the from the client's point of view as well having real visibility as to what's really going on under the hood or shall we say behind the account manager is probably a good way to operate yeah i'd agree with that okay yeah and, and as i say i think it makes so long as it's phrased in the right way uh, I mean, the, the the last thing you want as, as part of a sort of pitch statement is to say, um, if we get too busy, we have other people we can call on. I mean, that's clearly not not what you're going to do. But you say, if we have the um, optimum balance of, of different skills that we can bring in, and what this guarantees is is a dependable level of service and a, and a predictable quality of service as well, we've got this absolutely covered. And, of course, we have... The person that you go through, your point of contact, is taking complete responsibility for the coordination of those resources. So that's the that's the key part, and and that sounds progressive. That sounds pre- preferable. I think so. It, so. it sounds like my old proposition for Claxon, to be honest. You know, which is yeah. great. Which is really interesting and encouraging to hear that there is, you know, still interest and demand in in that operating model. So, is there a, is there a call to action or a rallying cry here, John? What uh, what is it that you want the to see changing in the industry? Is it just more transparency? I think so. I think that would be in, in everyone's benefits. There's a little hangover from the old days of saying these are the people who come to our office. These are the people who who wear the badge and, you know, you know all, all this thing. I just think that's a, that's a little bit old school. Yeah. And it's just not working in everyone's interest, either client or agency. Yeah. Um, again, that 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 um, that um, statistic earlier um, that I mentioned that I think 80 percent of people said it was a key factor whatever key factor means in in choosing a job but most of the bright young things um they want to get into the world of agency work they're developers they're writers they're designers they don't want to be forced to come in they they want and expect um, a more flexible model i mean you know different things for different people and you obviously don't want to be completely isolated when you're learning your trade um so in a way it's quite different if you're 25 to um, if you're 45 yeah, I was having this conversation with someone the other day who's a, who's a, a what's the word, an agency veteran. So he's been around a long time and his daughter is now starting out in the marketing services world. And she doesn't ever want to go into the office. And from his point of view, and I really agree with him, is if you don't go into the office, how do you build those relationships and those networks? How do you learn from your peers who have been there 10 years before you and can share some of that expertise? So I think there's real value in giving people that flexibility but also recognizing that there's a need for us oldies to pass on some of the wisdom that we've got stored up in our gray hair to the the next generation of marketeers coming through so i think there's a real need for agencies and actually any company to get that balance right between having people working entirely remotely to having them in a space where we can foster their development in a direction that's suitable for our business growth but also for their personal development and I think that it's funny, isn't it? You see people all the time talking about they've been forced to go back into the office two days a week. Uh, you know, and I saw something really funny on TikTok this morning. To, uh, uh, someone who'd been forced to go back into the office and they were sent a memo, 21 reasons why 
coming back to the office is a great thing. And the first reason was the commute. <laughs> and I thought, there's nobody in their right mind thinks the commute's a good thing. So why try and sell it? You know, focus on the handful of things that actually make sense to that person and their development yeah. rather than a load of old rubbish like that. It's interesting. Just like, just on that point about agencies going back, I know we're going slightly off topic. Um, I was at um, a conference the other day. There must have been about 20 different B2B agencies and yeah. all over Europe. And it was interesting seeing the different uh, approaches that were taking to hybrid working and re- remote working. And as I say, the, the guys from LA, um, they have gone fully virtual. Others have closed their London office um and you know everybody is remote but occasionally they'll come back into their we work so they have a we work they have a sort of rented situation like that which i'm sure will be costing them four figures a month you know is it you know it, it won't be it won't be a throwaway thing and they end up coming to the office and they all sit around with their laptops because they've got a few remote people on that call so everyone's sitting there with a laptop and even though the person's opposite you they're looking at the screen and they're sitting there in a windowless room when they could be they could be at home so so that's pointless but um the best approach was um by one of the one of the german agencies and they said they insist on mondays and fridays that the office is closed so nobody comes in um monday or friday they insist that everybody comes in so it's a normal day as if the pandemic never happened on a tuesday and wednesday and thursday is kind of depends on what happened on tuesday so so two of the days are up for grabs um one of them they insist you come in and the great thing is on the monday and the friday there are other people that use their office for other things they can sublet it for community reasons and oh um, wow other stuff like that and so that's i think a good way of doing it so yeah that sounds really good i mean i'm not sure about insisting on the tuesdays all the time but whatever works for your independent for your agency for your workplace it'll be different strokes for different folks won't it so yeah we have kind of we have kind of moved off topic haven't we a little bit but i suppose it's all baked into the idea of what does the agency of the future look like and i think we're probably broadly agreed here that a a more flexible hybrid approach to running an agency where not everyone's under the same roof, whether it's uh, as a full-time employee or as a flexible subcontract, a freelance type arrangement. It doesn't really matter as long as we're set up to efficiently service our clients, then, you know, we're, we're on, we're on a way to running a successful agency. Yeah. And I, and I think just being honest about that, because if you're talking to a client and you, you try to claim in this day and age, that everybody is a bona fide payroll employee. I don't, I don't think there's any benefit in that. Mm. And it's unrealistic to claim it. So, so white, white labeling is dead almost. That's what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. I've been in, on the, the, the white label end of uh, conversations a few times. It's always a dreadful place to be. So, uh, yeah, and the last thing you want as as an independent like myself is to have multiple emails because you you get um, you get an invitation to share the client's SharePoint, for example, and it's sent to your email, your your sort of I won't say fake your camouflage email address, and of course that means you need to have a different Microsoft login for that one, and <laughs> you end up with multiple Microsoft logins. It's it's yeah. it's not good. John, if people want to chat to you more about the agency of the future and how to run a hybrid agency model, um, how should they best find you and reach out to you? Um, I'm here at Agile Content um, and you can um, find me online. There's another company called Agile Content, software company in uh, Spain. They keep bringing me asking for a job. Um, But um, if you look for Agile Content, 
.co.uk, you'll find me. And presumably you're on LinkedIn as well, John. Yeah, all over LinkedIn. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on the show for introducing a really interesting topic. Great. Thank you, Andy. Thank you.